0: just for the last time so if you turn there to John 17 and we'll um we'll read from verse 20 my prayer is not for them alone I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Father, I want those who have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you've sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Now we we'll just pray, I think, first of all, just steady our hearts and minds. And um, direct our thoughts to Him. So let's let's pray now. Thank you so much, Lord, for church. We're so grateful to you for putting it into our program that we have here to be here with our brothers and sisters and come together as friends too, maybe for the first time to listen to the to the good news of the Bible. We thank you so much for. You causing us to come, putting it into our hearts to come here today so that we'll be here. And we know it's the best and happiest place for us to be in today, to be in your presence and to be in the presence of the word. And we pray that you'll help us to speak and help us to listen. And we have every confidence that you'll do just that because of the presence and power of your Holy Spirit among us today. Bless us now for your name's sake. Amen. Okay. Now, this morning I thought we'd, um, you know, look at John 17 again for the last time, for the third time, I think. And maybe there, there will be a little bit of repetition, but I, I don't mind that because I, I want us to think again of some of the principal thoughts of John 17, which is such an important thing and gives us such an insight into the heart of Jesus Um, perhaps more than any other passage in the Bible. Here we can see really what what drives him, what he really wants uh, of his people and what he wants of the Heavenly Father. Now, I was trying to think, I've been thinking all morning of how to begin and uh, haven't really decided on it completely. And uh, I I wanted to talk to you just at the beginning about um, how people see and do not see, you know, um, jesus Jesus spoke in this way didn't he of people who see and do not see um, and he was he was referring to things that that go on uh, that people do not believe go on because they they can't see them with their eyes and um, and I guess that a lot of people today believe that, you know, unless you can actually see things and maybe scientifically prove things, um, then that thing does not exist. And, uh, you know, that's not true. And, and the Bible is telling us all the time that that's not true, that, yes, you, you can't see God. You can't see him here. You can't see the presence of the Holy Spirit here and yet he is here and the Bible really adamantly states that to be the case that though we do not see we see uh believers see we see things that are invisible and we believe things to be true that you can't scientifically prove now you know in the Bible there are actually two instances that I could think of this morning one was um the incident on the road to um, Damascus when Paul was on that road and saw things that other people did not see. And yet he saw them and he was brought to see those things, the splendor of Christ on the road. Another incident in the Old Testament is of Elisha who was going into the city and saw the glory and power of God. And yet other people saw none of that and were, were oblivious to the fact uh, and didn't actually see where they actually were. Uh, that was kept from their eyes and kept from their understanding. So there are two instances there in the Bible of people who see and yet did not see. We see. We see God by faith. And we see these invisible things as real Tangible things, as it were, even though we cannot see with our eyes and prove them scientifically. So, you know, the the world today, you know, sitting out there going about its business, anything but church for most of the people of New Zealand today uh, are seeing things and they believe that they're all the things to be seen. They believe that they alone are the real things. And yet the Christian church assembled all around New Zealand and little rooms like this and halls like this and great churches in some instances um, believe otherwise, believe that the things that one does not see are the, the real things, even more real uh, Than the things that one sees with one's eyes—the trees and the sky and the stars and the mountains—because we we see God. So these are, you know, these are great things um, that we're talking about in church on Sunday mornings, uh, that we can't prove, you know, scientifically. And that we can't see with our eyes necessarily. And yet they're the great things uh, that we as a church come together to think about. Now I wanted this morning just to think about two great things that are done by God uh, that you cannot see. Uh, And they're spoken of in, in John 17. And the first one is that God gives Jesus Christ a people from among all of the peoples of the world. And this is really at the heart of the gospel story. I think many people would never think of this as At the heart of the gospel story and yet it is at the root and ground and base of the whole gospel story. The gospel story in many instances in many ways actually begins here. It begins with the fact that God the Father has given the Son a people from among all of the peoples of the world. Now, that's a strange gift. I've never heard of a gift like it uh, in in a way that, well, I've never heard of a gift like it, that God should give people to Jesus Christ. Uh, I was just reading the other day in the Bible of Solomon, who was paying off the king of Tyre for work that he'd done. And he gave him 20 towns of Galilee as a sort of Payment. Well, that's an extraordinary gift. And I don't think many people in Galilee would have necessarily liked it, that suddenly they were all uprooted and now not in that country, but in this country because of Solomon doing such a thing. That's amazing, you know. And, And we hear of things like that sometimes in the world, that whole areas of the world are given from one country to another. Often after a war or during a war, they're taken and snatched and become part of another country. But here, God is talking about something even greater than that. He's speaking about perhaps billions of people, hundreds of millions of people being given from among all of the people who would ever live in the world and being given uh, to our Lord Jesus Christ as a gift Now, that, I think, you know, is is a particularly difficult thought for human beings. Human beings do not like the idea of being sort of shunted around and moved like this from pillar to post, as it were, and given, you know, from one person to another person. I mean, what's going on here? I thought I was free as a human being and could do as I wanted and have him if I wanted him and not have him if I didn't want him. But this is not how the Bible presents. Presents the gospel story. You know, the Bible clearly says that He is at the root and heart of our coming to a faith in Jesus Christ. And while we're, yes, responsible as human beings and accountable to Him as human beings, and certainly not robotic in any way, you know, that we're not just little machines, but we do act as it were independently and and we do act responsibly and are expected to act so in this world and to do what's right on the other hand you know it's not true that we're absolutely free we cannot be free we know we're not free you know when we drive we can't drive any side of the road we want to when we stop at the corner of a street we can't just cross when we want to we're not free in many, many ways. And in this sense, we're not free. We're his. We're his to give from himself to the Lord Jesus Christ if that's what he wants. Another thing, objection that a human being can have is that, hey, come on, you know, I believe that every human being should be dealt with equally you know that's 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 fair that's that's how we should be dealt with surely equally but the bible you know says no that that's not a consideration in terms of human beings because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god none of us are in any position to kind of make any demands on god and say i believe that we should all be treated equally you know all of us should be given over to christ none of us should be given over to Christ. All of us should be treated equally. No, God is is in control. God is good. God is just. God is always right. He has rights as God who's been dealt with poorly by every human being. And if he wants to, he can give millions of, hundreds of millions, billions of people from among the people who ever will live in the world to our Lord Jesus Christ, because he's God. I read a lovely little story the other day, which might sort of help you think of this point better. You know, I was just reading about a gardener. He was the head gardener in a massive garden of a mansion. And um, one day he came and said to his colleagues, Excuse me, you know, who's been picking flowers in my ga- in, the, in the garden? Who's been taking these flowers? And one of his colleagues said, uh, the owner. And there was nothing more to be said by the head gardener. If the owner wants to pick all of the flowers, it's entirely his business. You know, he can take all of the flowers and remove them and put them in his house. It's his garden. The head gardener is not the the owner of the garden and we're not the owner of the garden we're not the owner of the garden we were made by God and we all of us broke his law we're all of us in need of his mercy and grace and if he chooses to give some and not others to our Lord Jesus Christ then that's his business as God and of course, we don't know who those people are. One day we will, or we, may, we, meet, we will know many of them in that they come to a faith in Christ, as I'll tell you. But he knows, and he's always good, and always just, and always right, and has rights, absolute rights of his own as maker and as saviour. Now, the second thing, you know, that's an unseen thing, isn't it? Have you seen that going on? Did you know of that happening in heaven or wherever it happened, you know, as it were? Did you know of that happening that long ago before the foundation of the world, he gave all of these to Jesus Christ as a gift from among the millions of the world? Now, this is the second thing that goes on in John 17. God the Son um, makes God the Father known to those same people whom he's been given. And this is the point that's made in John 17. And this brings it out into the visible, doesn't it? Into the seeing part, as it were. We see these people coming to a saving understanding of Jesus Christ in that God the Son makes God the Father known to those who whom he's been given, whom the Father gave to him. And this is clearly said in verse 26 and maybe other parts of John 17. This is another great act of God and it really explains to us why we in the church see the invisible and why we believe on our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how did Jesus do that? You know, he came into the world as the word. So there he is, his very name means making the Father known. That's what he came to do. He came into the world to speak of the Father as the word. He came into the world as the word to speak of him. His whole life spoke of him. His life on earth spoke of the Father. His all his miracles uh, spoke of the Father. And his words certainly spoke of the father. He gave them God's, the father's words. This goes on in his ministry. This is what he did. This is what he came to do. And, and he said, he was able to say when people heard him and saw him and watched him and touched him and, and were with him, that those that had seen him had seen the father. That's so clearly said again in the 12th, in the 14th chapter of John. So that's what Jesus came to do. He came into the world as the word to make known the father to those who, the, the, who had been given to him. And he did this in particular to the 12, you know, to the disciples that he had. That was his job, teaching them and helping them to understand the father. But the wonderful thing in verse 26 of the 17th chapter is that that teaching word, work rather, goes on. Jesus is continuing to teach as he did with the 12. Through his Holy Spirit, whom we read of in the 16th chapter of John, he goes on teaching the word through the message of those who are already saved. So we bring the word to people through us, his instruments, we bring the word of the father to people. He uses those he saves to bring the word to more that they too might be saved. And he does this certainly by the power of the Holy Spirit who works in the hearts of people and causes them to believe on our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting in this passage, I think, in verse twenty-one, that the point he wants to wants to wants to have them believe is that they, each of them, believe that Jesus Christ has been sent from the Father. That point he particularly wants us to believe, and really, you can see why, because that's the essence of. Orthodox Christianity, if you don't believe that Jesus is sent from the Father, if you don't believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior, then you can't be a Christian. You're not a Christian. You know, He wants you to believe that. And He works to see that you believe that. And really, what this passage is saying is that everyone who has been given to Him, He causes this them to believe such a thing. All such people who've been given to him believe in that one great orthodox truth that Jesus has been sent from the Father. They hear his voice. What's the kind of ultimate goal that he's wanting? You know, in in this 17th chapter, um, there's lots said there. You probably noticed it about being one and being together. Did you notice that? Being one? Did you notice that being said over and over in this passage? Well, that's, what, that's, where, he's, that's what he's, where he's wanting things to be. He's wanting all of those millions, those hundreds of millions, who have been given from the Father to the Son and caused to believe that Jesus is sent from the Father. He wants all of these to be one with him, in him, with him, in his love. You know, he says things like that in this passage. They're all marvelous statements of a kind of a a company. You know, we're all in God's company. And of course, we're all in one another's company. We're together. We're brought together. And the fact that we're together as Christian people and love Christian people in other parts of the world and other churches in New Zealand and are drawn to other Christian people, that is Perhaps the greatest sort of evangelical testimony that the church is true, that God is true and real. It's the greatest sort of testimony that I think you could ever have. It's tremendously important that we're together, that we love one another, because that's a powerful incentive for people to listen to the church, notice the church hear the church and come to the church and join the church in this company of God's people. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? So he gives these people to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, through the message of his church and by the power of his Holy Spirit, causes those same people to believe that he sent from the Father. And the goal of all of this is that we might be one with him in his love with him Jesus in his glory and on earth with one another all of us together moving toward that oneness with God the father and God the the son it's an amazing sort of idea isn't it and this is the gospel You know, that's what I wanted to say in conclusion this morning, that this is what we're really talking about in church. Very, very difficult things to explain and to hear, I guess. But this is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not talking just about little trivial things like be kind to one another and obey your teacher. You know, they are very good things and Christian people should do those things. But the church needs to sort of, lift its sights to much higher levels and see the unseen great acts of God, that God the Father has given the church, the, the true church, to Christ, that Christ is instructing those to those people and bring them to a faith in him and he's wanting us all as his people to be together on earth that a great evangelical um, persuasive thing and then together over all of the centuries that we have people on this earth be gathered up and be with Christ in glory that's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. Um, It could be, you know, that you're just sitting here and thinking, this is so much rubbish. You know, I've never heard anything like it. Um, I, this is amazing you know, to hear about God the Father giving people to the Son. Well, the Bible says it there, you know, and I'm not really saying anything this morning that's not said here in the 17th chapter. But I just want you to think a little bit this morning about, yeah, it might be rubbish to you and it might be difficult to you. And you might think, wow, you know, I'm not at all sure about this. But just remember, you know, what this must mean to people who are seriously depressed who are being cruelly treated in this world who are nothing in this world in their society or in their country who are dirt poor and have no dignity and no comfort what is this saying to them is saying something that the world has can't say anything about the world's got really nothing to say to such people it can help them in a peripheral way. But the gospel is really giving tremendous comfort to the poor and the needy and the cruelly treated and the despised and those that are treated with contempt in this world because of their race or because of their past. The Bible saying something wonderful here. That we can be God's people and we are God's people when we hear that message that the church brings and believe in our heart on the Lord Jesus Christ as the one sent from the Father into the world to present him to the world, to show him to the world and to die on the cross for our sins, that we might be forgiven. You know, that's, that's the gospel. That's a great message. And I hope that today, um, that there'll be people right here today who'll think, I need to now believe on our Lord Jesus Christ. You come now, today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in other days that come to him and believe on our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's all really talking to us, isn't it, um, about the transforming power of God. God's God's in control. And while we might not see him and and you and can't prove him but you can't prove that he doesn't exist. You know, the Bible says he does exist and only a fool says otherwise. So God is in control. He's in the saddle. You know, he made us. And we're in need of every help he can give us because all of us, every single one of us, have fallen short of his glory and are in need of his grace and help and forgiveness. So come to him today. Come to him today and believe on our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, today that um, in this passage, we've got really big things. And this is the gospel. Uh, This is the word that you want us to hear on earth. And it's difficult. We know as human beings, we we get so riled about things because we believe we're free. And uh, we believe we're independent. We believe we're in need of no one's help and we'll ask for it if we want it. And yet here, all of this is just cut from under us when we see that actually we're in God's control. Uh, We're under his control and he gives us life if he wishes to. And we know that everyone who comes to him and who hears that invitation to you of of yours believe on our lord jesus christ and you will be saved that every such person every such person is saved is yours has been given to christ has been told the great story in his heart of the words of the father so help us come today for your name's sake amen